Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us again today and for following along here on the program. We are glad to have you. It is a privilege and an honor to open up the Bible, the eternal written word of God, the best we can get it into our hands today and talk about what it is we can learn and what it can add to our lives to what? To make us spiritual men who are walking in the likeness and the image of Yeshua the Son. So what we've already talked about in brief is without going into everything and, and going over it entirely, is the main point that I want to drive home in the power of the present is that I believe, I'm convinced that in my time of putting this together, that the Father was revealing to me to go back to the beginning to get an understanding and a snapshot, if you will, of the Garden of Eden reality where the enemy inserted the question, the question which makes us look back and doubt our condition in the perfect hand of the Father at, his, at our inception, and then get us to look forward and, and cause anxiety and stress and questioning and doubting what the Father's going to do to provide for us or be there for us or, or all these things we can conjure up in our imaginations. And, and, and what I really feel came out good in, in part one, and I hope you would agree, is the, is the imagery of we have the, the face of the Father right here before us, and the challenge of the power of the present in the Kairos reality is, is the only way we are going to be able to fully walk in that power of the present, uh, of, of the opportune time for action, as we looked at the understanding of that word specifically in the New Testament, is we keep our gaze locked on the Father and His ways, in my opinion, His festivals, His Sabbath, where we are constantly in this ongoing perpetual timeline of what? What we're always talking about. Always talking about because everything, as I say, funnels down into this right here. Remembering His ways, a marker, a memorial, about how he loves. Yahweh loves people who say, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember. What did his people always do all throughout time and still do today? They sit down and they recall and recount the works of the awesome, mighty Yahweh Elohim. I believe he loves that probably as much as anything. The praises of his people and the remembering and the memorializing the works of his hands. And so, friends, that's what we're talking about, is we are looking to him. I remember how you perfectly formed and fashioned man from the dust and dirt so that we might know you and intimately walk with you naked in the garden with no sin, no shame. I will not look back and say I'm not enough. I will not look forward and say, well, what about this? What about that? How's this going to go? I look and gaze at you, oh, great father. How do I do that? In the likeness and the image of his son, who was the personification of the God-man, always keeping his eyes and ears towards his father. Not swayed by circumstances on this earth like you and I. That's why it's so encouraging to study and read and insert ourselves into the text of when Yeshua encountered an individual or a circumstance or, or, or a temptation of his own. How did he respond? What did he do? What did he not do? And if we can do that, 
Friends, there's hope for any one of us. There's hope for me. There's hope for me if I do that. There's not hope for me if I, if I just merely read a book about how to take 10 steps to a victorious power of the present lifestyle. It's already been given. It's already been given. It's been shown how to walk, as we already talked about in the Hoopagramos reality, the carved out one, the forerunner Messiah, who's gone before us to show us how to harness the moment that we are in. Okay, so in the temptation, we're going to talk about, we're going to maybe fulfill this, this thought for a couple more moments, and then we're going to move into some New Testament text. But in the temptation, Adam and Eve were challenged to look back and see that their created condition was not enough, though looking back, and they were somehow deficient. They needed to act on their own behalf um, to affect and change their situation and even their identity. That's really what they were doing. They were, they were following the pattern of the fallen one who said, I wanted to what? We're told in Scripture he wanted to what? Ascend to be like the Most High. We see that pattern come in the Tower of Babel and all these other instances, this constant pattern of mankind who in his own efforts, by his own strength and abilities, try to ascend and self-deify. Why? Because who I am now is not enough. Be better, be greater, which is why I always I caution the church about how we make sure that we don't take all these Bible verses on who we are in Jesus. You can do all things. You are more than a conqueror. And we put that on, on basketball jerseys for, for youth camp basketball tournaments, and we forget what that really means. It doesn't just mean you score 50 points in a basketball game, friend. It means something much greater than what we've made it. We've made it too small, I would say. But without going into that, I would submit that within what we just talked about in the Garden of Eden reality, the curse of looking forward and looking back and thereby missing the now present moment reality began. Yahweh didn't create me good enough. And friend, let me just ask you this. So let's forget about Adam and Eve for a moment and think about ourselves. Okay, so take what we've just talked about with them and put them to the side and, and think of your, do a little bit of introspection of your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own heart's posture, and even your, your imagination and thoughts towards yourself. Think about a few insufficiencies that you have that just really, man, I just, I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I didn't do that. I wish I did do this. Just think for a moment about some insufficiencies within yourself. Things that you don't do that you wish you did, or things that you do that you wish you did not. So this is interactive. I want you to partake in what we're doing here, because this is what this has been doing in me um, as, as I began looking into this. In what ways do you see yourself as a pattern, or maybe just came out of nowhere, that just your current condition is just not enough? It's not satisfactory for me. I don't like this. It shouldn't be this way. Why is it this way? Whatever question that, that brings about in your heart and in your wondering before the Father or just in your own imagination or maybe to your spouse. Not talking about is this fair or not necessarily, but what's the deal with this? I don't like this circumstance. It's understandable. We all have those things. But... We have to be careful that that wondering and asking, God's not afraid of questions. Yahweh is not afraid of your questioning. 
from a pure heart. But in, we have to be careful that we're not saying in any way in that, in that questioning that Yahweh didn't create me good enough. Or he's left me wanting now in my present condition. Something happened, something changed, and now I'm just not who I wish I was. It's just not enough. And in order to correct this, I have to take action. I have to be, I have to control this. I have to control that. I have to alter this circumstance and, and control this individual and get them to do this. And I have to do that. Why? To orchestrate an environment or a, a literal person, myself, to better my circumstance. And that's what I want to present here in, as we move forward, is that I believe when we begin to lose the power of the present, we start to take our eyes off of who we are and our present moment identity, and we begin to falter. We look back at an event that happened that changed the course of our life, or a mistake that I made, a decision I made that just negatively affected me because I was disciplined and I needed it, but I don't like the result, or it's made me anxious. What if this circumstance doesn't change? What if this gets worse? What if this happens? What if this happens? And all of a sudden, we take our eyes off of our present moment reality. And I would say we're, we're at least running the risk that we have to take control of our current condition and circumstance. And thereby, in the future, I will be like Elohim. I will be God. I will, I've got this. I have to. Because if, if, now this may be an undercurrent issue in your life. You may not even know that you're doing this. There's ways in me, I'm sure, that I don't even realize I'm doing that. I pray the Father will reveal that to me in this. That's been my prayer today. That will reveal these areas in me of like, okay, God, here's my life. Father, here's my life. Where am I doing this? In what ways am I harnessing control of a circumstance and situation because really at the heart of it, at the guts of who I am, I don't really believe that you will bring everything that I need for that circumstance or condition of who I am for today. So here we have the digression of all mankind, right? We take the wheel. We take control. And now we become anxious. Why? Because we're not just walking like this, we are doing this. And so when we do this, we, of course, are going to become anxious because all of a sudden we're controlling our future. And that's shaky ground. And I think especially if we are in Messiah, no longer living as our own, and we then thereby become men who are living for our own control, we, we, of course, will become anxious and, anxious and restless. Why? Because it's wrong. Because we're in error. Because we're walking in disobedience and hard-heartedness towards the Father by taking control of our own lives. So kind of, I mean, I don't know if we should explore this or not. This could get a little bit complicated and would take some explaining. But perhaps anxiety is a gift because for those of us who are regenerated ones, we should be restless. We should be uneasy. We should be anxious. If, okay, so be anxious for nothing, we could say, is for you who are, who are secure about your identity in Christ. 
And your life is no longer your own. And that's why we have to know answers to all these questions. Have we really been born from above, born again? Are we losing our life for his sake and therefore finding it? All these things we have to really ask, are are these verses true? And if, in fact, they're true and I'm anxious, maybe that's a gift from the Father, the perfect creator, to say, you're anxious because you've stepped out of trusting me. You're anxious about this because you've taken your own authority and action and you're trying to do it yourself. And so thereby you're anxious. So maybe we can talk about that more later. I think maybe there's something to that. But we want things with wrong motives. We're anxious. We labor aimlessly for personal gain or our own purposes or even just trying to make a good solution to a problem. Maybe our, our, our efforts are at the origin good, right. Maybe even we want to be pleasing to God. We want to do something right and good for Him. We have to be careful we're doing what He brings in this Kairos reality of this now present moment. Did the Father bring this to me? We talked about this the other day. I haven't recorded anything about it. It was just part of our Bible verse uh, whiteboard teaching about, um, oh, we're going to move past. I'm going to get sidetracked. We could literally make this 20 parts. This could be a very lengthy series. So let's hit a few other scriptural instances to drive home my point. So that we're not living like our natural forefathers, walking instead like our forerunner Messiah. Not falling prey to the lies of the enemy that go all the way back to the fall in the garden, I believe. Now, Yeshua was the personification of the proper perspective in regards to this power of the present in life. That's a lot of P's right there. Good thing I had that written out. Now, he would look at people who were physically dead and see them as alive, okay? His perspective was very different than than mine, maybe yours. And, And so he would see them as alive. Maybe he would say they were sleeping, therefore calling life back into their lifeless bodies. He just operated in an entirely different perspective than most of humanity ever has walked. He would see paralytics, and instead of seeing in, in, in seeing their, their natural condition alone or, or being hindered by what he saw, and instead of responding to the looking back of like his disciples in one case would say, Who's, whose fault is this, Rabbi? <laughs> whose sin made this man this way? What did Yeshua do? Rise up and walk, man. Get up right now. Let's not. This happened for the glory of God. This happened so that my father can receive glory, y'all. Hello, come back to the right here present moment. Then you've got the, 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 the teachers of the law at the time, of the oral law, the traditions. Yes, they sat on the chair of Moses, and they had a few extra laws of their own that Yeshua condemned the latter, of course. What'd they say? You can't do that today. Who do you think you are? Who did this? And then they, of course, interrogate the poor lame man, the formerly lame guy. What happened? Who did this? And he, t- I already told you, man, aren't you listening? <laughs> Same issue. Why? Focused on, you're the guy who sat down here. All these things. Looking back. Bound 
and kept from harnessing the power of the present moment, which Yeshua always did. His dear friend Lazarus, we know Lazarus died. Everyone looked back, cried out, what? Oh, if you had only been here, Master, why weren't you here, Yeshua? I thought you loved him. Why didn't you come? We've taught on that before. Why didn't you come? You could have been here. You could have what? Prevented this awful reality. If you had come earlier, he would not have died. But Yeshua took action in the present and restored his life. Without getting into it, it bears mentioning, I know you know this, but just to remind you, he brought in the others who were a part of that and unwrapped his grave clothes. It was a, <laughs> it was a group endeavor. It's very interesting. Yeshua and his feeding of the thousands, not just 5,000. There's probably 5,000 grown men, thousands of people. They have no food. It's the end of the day. They've been listening to Yeshua teach. They're hungry. The buffet up the road's closed. Yeshua, however, as always, has an entirely different perspective than everybody else there, for the most part. The boy, maybe, was a little boy of faith. He at least was a, a partaker in what Yeshua brings about. I've got this. I would believe Yeshua would say, instead of informing me of the need alone and, and telling me what you don't have, what do we have? What is here? And let's just park our car over here for just a mere moment. I believe this principle could be life-changing for any one of us. In regards to the, the message we're talking about specifically, the power of the present and harnessing the moment that we're in and not falling prey to the lies of the enemy that wants you to look back and see your insufficiencies and deceive you and me to think that we're not really who we are. And you got to worry. You've got to take control because what's coming is probably going to stink. We talked about this back when COVID first hit, I don't know, a year and a half ago on the program. I was sitting out in my carport. That's why I even landed here. Um, uh, a brother was asking me about, you got anything about prophecy that you've taught on? What's your thoughts towards prophecy? And so I've been trying to think through that, and I went back to a video I did a long time ago on a stinky laptop webcam outside. It was almost dark, windy, but I'm talking about this principle <laughs> of Yeshua always being the provider and how we want to harness control and take control of everything. We have to know what's coming. And that was, again, when COVID was starting and people were freak out, full-on panic mode. You can't find food in the grocery stores, can't find toilet paper and all these other ridiculous things. And people were freaking out. And what were they saying to the prophets? Give us a favorable word. Somebody tell us something good. Someone give me something that I can look to and find peace and solace in. And guess what, friend? Just like that was true a year and a half, two years ago, it's true today. You and I have no idea what's coming today or tomorrow. We have no idea. People are crying out, peace and safety, peace and safety. Everything's getting better. The church now is talking about, oh, how great it is we can meet again. We can gather again. We've been allowed to gather and worship the, worship the Lord again together. Amen. Everything's fine now. Did you get your vaccine? We're good. Friends, this is a delusion. 
Things are not okay. Things are not, we are not told or promised things are always going to be good and easy for us. And so what does this matter? Anxiety, control, and having to know how the Father's going to provide for me tomorrow. I've got to know now so that I might have peace. But what in the world are we told in the Scripture? Hey, I'm giving you peace, but man, it's not as the world gives. It's not conditional. It's not dependable in the sense of how you have to see it in order to receive it. Because what the Father brings is often, many times, it may not be seen until you need it and it comes. Because it's in His ways, in His timing, and not our own. So Yeshua was the personification of that. Always being dependent upon the Father. Nobody takes my life, man. It's not going down like that. It's in the Father's hands. He appoints every single thing. So in the feeding of the 5,000 specifically, what did he say as his disciples panicked to come up with a natural solution to the problem at hand? The hordes of people had gathered all day to hear the rabbi. They were hungry. They needed to eat. It's the end of the day. So what do they do? They look ahead. They see the need is only going to become greater. They took their eyes off of what was right there, and they said, okay, we've got to send them out. We've got to make them go out and eat, find food for themselves. Go on. We've got to tell them that. Nothing is here. And again, apply this to your own life. Nothing is here in the present moment to satisfy the need that is already here. Yeshua, however, as always, has an entirely different perspective. Instead of, I believe he would say this, instead of informing me of the need and what we don't have, what do we have? As we just said a moment ago, what is already here? What do we have that we can work with? Admittedly, I'm, I'm personally often a realist. <laughs> There's nothing here. Nothing here. What, a basket of fish and, and a couple loaves of bread? Nah, not enough. Why would we even bother thinking about it? It's irrelevant. What's that going to do? I'm a realist in my natural man. I'm working on that. The Father's desiring to change that more and more in me, towards myself and towards others. <sighs> Yeshua was the perfect example of Hey, 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 like you, if you have children, you know this. Children get distracted. Some adults do too. <laughs> what do we say? Well, with our son for years, he's fixing to be 10. We still have to do this. Hey, Noah, Noah, look at dad. Noah, woo, hey, look at dad. I'm right here. Look at your dad. And I know that's so silly and just small and simple, but so true. I believe the Heavenly Father saying, hey, son, look to your father. Look to me. Don't, don't worry about that. That's going to be fine. Don't worry about that that brought it about. It's going to be okay. Look at your daddy. I feel that from the father to me and maybe to you today, today as well, friend. Just look right here. Keep your gaze right here. Don't worry about it. Right here. I mentioned at the very beginning of the, of the program the, the definition of the Greek word kairos. 
that refers to quality of time. And of course, we've talked about it a lot, especially in part one. And it talks about and it, it, it tells us of the importance of the present moment that we find ourselves in. And it's perhaps most clearly used in a way that drives home what we're talking about today in Ephesians chapter 5. And it says this, and we know these verses, but listen to it through this context of what I'm bringing today. Therefore, we don't have time for all the therefore. Pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. Live wisely, not unwisely. Use your time well. Use your kairos well. Use your present moment, what we looked at in part one, the opportune time for action, the right now moment, use it well. Another version would say, redeem the time. Make sacred use of your present moment. For these days are evil days. Don't be foolish, but instead try to understand what the will of the Father is. Use your power of the present well. Redeem the time. Make it sacred. Make it important. Make every moment count. It's no catchphrase now. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Yeshua says this. Same kairos. The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of Yahweh is at hand. It's right here. It's at hand. Yeshua was always saying that. When are you going to build your kingdom, great king? When are you going to sit upon a natural throne, upon a natural kingdom and rule and reign and let us get all the accolades of being your royal subjects? When is that coming? You said that's what's coming. You said you're king. What did Yeshua say? I'm not talking about that. That's not the kingdom I'm talking about. But the kingdom I am talking about, it's already here. It is at hand. It's close. Close proximity. And so because of that, repent. Believe the gospel. Believe the good news. Believe the glad tidings. In that case, specifically, Yeshua is rightfully saying, believe what I'm saying, people. Believe what I'm saying is true. So by merely looking into a handful of verses and principles therein, the will of the Lord can be summed up, I believe, quite simply. We must live in the power of the present. Friend, leave your, your disappointments behind. Leave your failures in the past. Don't worry about tomorrow. We're told that time and time again. The sparrows, <laughs> the birds of the air, man, they're not worried about it. We know that now. We know it. We know it. But do we know it and live it? He is able when I am not. And I am not able more than I am. He is my sufficiency. I don't want the wheel. I don't want to demand control because the whole purpose of my purchasing, the purpose of the, of the purchasing of my life was to set me free from controlling everything within it. That's the beautiful gift of salvation. I'm now a slave to the perfect master king. He is my sustenance, my sufficiency. He supplies when no supply is seemingly there. He is enough. 
If we're truly in him now, and we've got to know that, I can't make this a salvation message every single time. But friend, you have got to know. Have you been changed and moved from death to life so that this stuff is even possible for you? Because if you are not a regenerated Christ man, you cannot do these things. You cannot be in the power of the presence. You present. You cannot be. It's impossible because you're in the sin nature trying to do everything in your own power and your own control. But if, in fact, you are a regenerated Christ man, your life is no longer your own, there's hope for you. There's hope for us. He supplies when no supply is seemingly there. Friend, get that through your mind, please, as rock-solid truth, in fact. He is enough if we are in him. And if we're in him, we too will walk in the power of the present. You've been watching the Path to Zion podcast, listening if you're over at pathtozion.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope this has encouraged you. If it has or if it has not, if you have questions, reach out to us in the email. I will read it the day it comes. Absolute sure thing, hands, hands down. Podcast at gmail.com is the way to do that. Message us on Facebook. If you know someone that this might encourage that's just wrestling with their identity, who am I? If you're good and you're cruising, think of someone. Ask the Father who needs to hear this stuff. Who needs a reminder? Who needs their eyes open to the garden deception that says, I've got to take the wheel. I've got to find something better because who I am is not enough. I believe that's all of us. So would you consider sharing this just so it would be an encouragement for someone else? The body of Messiah can shake off this dust and dirt and, and shell of anxiety and regret and misplaced identity and find the freedom that was meant to come to us through the awesome gift of Yeshua Messiah. So I pray this has blessed you. It's blessed me. Thank you for watching. Amen.